you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm Matt Moore from the Action Network, joined by my colleague, NBA Futures Analyst, Brandon Anderson, the ROI King. And this is your Friday Futures episode, where we break down all things that you need to know about futures markets in the NBA week by week. This week, we are starting off with a discussion of the NBA awards landscape, we are a month into the season. I tried talking Brandon into the fact that it's 10% of the way through the season, but that was on Monday. And because Brandon's Brandon, he's like, it's actually not 10% anymore. We're more of the way through that. So he ruined my 10% angle and we're doing month. It's the first month anniversary of the start of the season. We're breaking down those award futures today. Want to let you know everything we talk about can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. You can get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. You can tail Brandon on Seattle Island in the NFL as he just continues to go back to the well and profit. I was with him on Seattle Island last week. I think I'm going to be with him on this week as we record this on Thursday afternoon. We'll find out. But all Brandon's plays can be found in there as well as all of our future stuff. So you can check those in the app as well. I follow Brandon's model and I'm digging out these nice five and six nights with a plus ROI night after night. That's basically my goal for the season is just to, to scrimp out ROI. Uh, but without the profit margin that Brandon seems to find himself into consistently because he's awesome <laughs> at what he does. Brandon, we're going to start this week and we got to start at the top. All right. So let's talk about the most valuable player one month in at FanDuel Sportsbook. The odds are about what we would think. We've talked about this a lot. I have a big feature on Luka Doncic. You can find that on YouTube. We're putting up an article around it later in the day on Friday. The board is as follows. Top six in MVP at FanDuel. I want to set the table here. Giannis Antetokounmpo plus 240. Luka Doncic plus 270. Jason Tatum plus 600. John Morant plus 1,200. Steph Curry plus 1,500. Donovan Mitchell plus 1,600. That's your top six for MVP. I want to get your thoughts on Luka Doncic. And what this really comes down to is the Mavs are winning games. 
They have a good win profile, despite absolutely costing me money on the bet stream on Wednesday versus the Magic. Thanks for giving... Apparently, they just went to Disney World and had a bunch of Dole Whips. They look so lethargic and terrible in that game. Uh, but Luca's usage is insane. He's averaging the third most points. This was before the Magic game. He was averaging the third most points of any player in NBA history. He is on pace to average 50 points per 100 possessions, which basically means he's scoring more than anyone since Wilt Chamberlain per 100 possessions because the Mavs are playing at the league's slowest pace. He leads the league in BPM. He's going to lead the league in EPM, I'm pretty sure. Maybe Giannis, when those numbers are updated over dunks and threes, which we've talked about is a very telling stat. Uh, his usage rate is incomprehensible. <laughs> he was on pace for the th- – he was – first two weeks in, he was at the highest in NBA history – Three weeks in, he slid to third. He's still at third highest in NBA history. I think that goes back up. The case for for Luca is pretty simple. Ridiculous production times usage on a winning team. That's the formula. It was plus 400, 450 before the season. We're at 270 on FanDuel now. I think we're approaching the point where I say you've lost too much value and you're chasing too much steam but I still really like his chances here. What are your thoughts on Luca and his MVP case? Yeah, so, you know, coming into the year, I was not high on Luca's MVP case. Certainly plenty high on Luca. We knew the numbers would be there. So the numbers have been there, obviously. Something like 36, 8, and 8. The thing you mentioned, too, he actually is shooting terribly on three-pointers right now, mm-hmm. and that's a Luca thing. He'll go super cold and then super hot for a while. So the man is scoring like 36 a game while he can't hit the broadside of a barn from three. He's under 30%, but he's still shooting a lot. So he's going to have a stretch at some point. Suddenly those shots starts falling and he's scoring 40 points a game for like a month because that's a thing that's going to happen right now, which is ridiculous. So the numbers are so outrageously good that it's, it's like barely even worth discussing them because they're so clearly better than everyone else. You mentioned kindly Oh, he has the best BPM in the league. He has the best BPM in league history. In the forever time, he has the best BPM, or at least in the mix for that, depending on the night right now. Where my stance has changed with Luca is not, okay, oh, the numbers are pretty good. We knew that they would be good. My stance has changed is that I, I think the Mavs are pretty good too, at least in the yeah. regular season, which is all that matters here. So I, I did the, the one-month all-star teams, and for that process, I kind of just went through each team and said, okay, Normally, about 10 games in, there's a lot of things that are not stable yet. Three-point percentage is a pretty easy one, or a lot of the shooting numbers. But team profiles are pretty steady after 10 games, meaning how fast do you play? You mentioned Dallas is the slowest in the league. That's going to stay that way. We knew that. But how many threes are you taking? How is your team shaping up? And the Mavs have a profile that I really like. They are near or at the top of the league in two-point percentage, and they are near at the top of the league in free throw rate. So they're getting a ton of free throws. That's a Luca thing. They're getting, when they do take two pointers, not that often, but they're making them. They're getting up a ton of threes. We've talked about this with the Jazz. They're doing a similar thing to the Jazz in that they're getting a huge volume boost in three pointers. They don't allow them on defense. They're number one in fewest allowed, and they're, and they're taking a ton of them. So they're getting all those same Utah math things only they have Luka Doncic too to add on top of all of it. So that to me, like this is the James Harden Rockets. We have recreated James Harden's Rockets in the regular season. Those teams won like 60, 65 games. And you know what else happened? James Harden won MVP. 
And he was like second on my belt a couple more seasons in that mix too. So it's not that Luca has been insane. He has, but this profile in the regular season, to me, it's a top three team. And we know we need that. I didn't think they would be coming into the year. We like the Pelicans a lot in the division. We're kind of tepid on this team. But this century, 16 MVPs out of 23 have been the one seed. 20 out of the 23 have been a top two seed. Now I know recently Jokic and Westbrook, like that's falling off. But really, that's the only reason Luka wouldn't win MVP is if Dallas doesn't win enough. That's the only case against it. He's awesome. So if Dallas also wins and is a top two or three seed, then this could become an open and shut case pretty quickly. And uh, my question is, is Luka clearly a favorite enough that actually by Giannis being as good as he's been so far and the Bucks being that good, is that actually maybe secretly buying a little bit of value here to keep the door open long enough for people like me that did not get in on Luca already? So the Bucks are 10 and one and Giannis is the favorite. The Mavs are six and four and Luca's right behind him. I think that it's probably accurate to say, relatively speaking, the question is whether the number is good. Right. And that gets into a whole complicated thing of like how much you can do this using the action network calculator. You can find that in the app and basically plug in your EV and what your expected outcome for Luca winning, how often you think he's going to win it versus the number. I think that I don't personally believe that, that the separation from between these two should be like, I don't, I think Luca should not be 30 cents behind Giannis. Do you think Luca should be behind Giannis? It's a good question. I don't. I think that he should be the favorite. I think they should be about even, and I think they should both be closer to 200. Does that make sense? Like, I would. I think this is more like 200, yeah. 205. So, so you're basically saying at that point, if they're around 200, you're basically saying Luca or Giannis or Field. You're basically yeah. putting all three of those as relatively even options. Yeah. And honestly, I think that that's a pretty fair assessment at this point. So I mean, there look, might be a little value on both of them then. Yeah. And the answer here is, is, is in the uncertainty. Like that's why these numbers are longer is because we're so early in the season and there's so much that can happen. Like the bucks can right. fall off a cliff. This is before injuries, just like the they could fall off a cliff. There could be a trade. Like there's so much uncertainty baked into these numbers. If we get, if we pace this out, not let's remove the win totals. Let's remove the winning percentage. Yeah. Let's just pace out normal regression on some of these numbers over the course of the season, but they continue to be at this usage rate because Giannis's usage rate is extremely high too. If we track that out and this was in March, then these guys would be what? Minus 125 or it would be like plus 125 plus 150. Right. Yeah. They, they would be, we'd, we'd have close to even odds. Basically we would remove the field option because yeah. closer to the end, we'd say, okay, no, it's clearly one of these two. The field option is not because, well, you know, Steph has been pretty good and Jokic and Taylor. No, no, no. Luca and Giannis are way ahead of everyone. Mm-hmm. The field option is because, well, we have a long season to go and a lot can happen. Steph was way ahead of everyone this time last year and then didn't even make the ballot. Most of the time injuries happen, long seasons happen. But yeah, if we were in March instead with this sort of production, it's a two-man race and everyone else's odds can just get out of here. You mentioned kind of about the strength of the Mavs on dunks and threes, which we mentioned all the time on this podcast because it's adjusted for schedule. The Mavs have the third best net rating. So I've talked a lot about how SRS and net rating and these kinds of, and the Pythagorean theorems that they don't translate to the following season because the books market those in. 
But what I think is interesting is they're very effective for telling who's actually good in season. If you have a good net rating, but yeah. a poor record, you are likely going to regress to what the uh, win dif- point differential says that you are. And the Mavs are third behind Cleveland and Phoenix. They are one of only two teams, Brandon, to be top five in both offensive and defensive adjusted rating. They are fifth in offense, sixth in defense going into action on Thursday night. Uh, That's with the fifth toughest schedule overall, the ninth toughest offensive schedule. They face good defenses and the fifth toughest defensive schedule. They face good offenses. So this is based off of of who, how how guys have played now, like how teams have played now. The Mavs resume looks really good. You look at the Bucks, and it's their 10 and one with the eighth best differential, the 21st toughest or 25th, I'm sorry, they're 21st in offensive rating adjusted and the best defense in the league by a ridiculous, like they're extremely good defensively. Um, yeah. They faced the 30th ranked strength of schedule. Now, because it's only 11 games, if the Bucks are absolutely killing teams, it's going to hurt their strength of schedule. That's right. how this works. So some of these numbers are too small and wonky, but what I do think it shows is the Bucks are probably not as good as a 10 and one record. And the Mavericks are probably a little better than the six and four. So if we adjust this for a game and a half ish for the Mavericks, and we go to seven and a half wins for them, and we go down a game and a half for the Bucks, and we go down to eight and a half, that's more illustrative of the difference. And with no. Luca's production usage and efficiency, that's where I think we get to the idea that, that Luca should be favored in the race. Yeah, I think so. So I want to ask you two things, one for and one against, if you're looking at a Giannis case here. Giannis is now missed as of today, Thursday. Giannis has missed two of the last three games. And if you look back, we don't really think of Giannis as a guy that misses a lot of games, but he he does miss like 15, 14-ish games per season. It's it's not traditionally MVPs on my all my history check marks. You need like 71 to 76 games. Giannis doesn't really do that. Is it a red flag to you or a reason to stay away at all that he's missed two of these three games? And we know that they're going to kind of slow play this for the playoffs. Does that hold you back from betting Giannis? I don't think so because you. I think you have to look at who are your serious candidates and which of them is going to play 72 to 82. Right. Um, the other serious candidates in this category, we'll talk about them in a minute, maybe Tatum, right? That may be Tatum's best argument is that Tatum may just, his load is light enough, he may play. 75 80 games jaw i do not expect to do that what about luca do we think luca will play that many no i think he takes a fair like a fair amount off i think maybe 10 to 15 we'll talk about one thing i will say and this is why after watching him last night he's he is third in the league on drives now he's first in drive efficiency because before the game versus the magic he was uh his field goal percentage on drives was 71 (laughs) percent That's absurd. And you're like, well, they're drives. Shouldn't he be close to the rim? It's not like he's not guarded. Uh, he also leads the league in assist off of drives at the same time. Seems good. It's ridiculous. Uh, but he was hobbled in Eurobasket on an ankle. Yeah. He's had it hobbled a couple times since then. He continues to be like every single game, there's a little bit. This usage rate for a guy that is plowing to the basket constantly is a warning sign. It's yeah. a warning sign more for, is he going to suffer a knee bruise and be out a month? Is he going to suffer a bad sprained ankle and be out three weeks? It's I have less concerns about him from a long-term injury perspective than I do John Morant. But yeah. like Luca is basically 
I'm more worried about injuries with him than with Giannis, even though Giannis has missed time. I'm less worried about Luca than Joel Embiid and John Moran. That's no, kind well. of where I get to. <laughs> Curry, I think, yeah, is no, an interesting question is like, how many games do we expect Curry to play? Right. No. He suffered the injury last season and he misses several weeks. They've always taken the we can afford it move with him. So I don't know how to kind of evaluate that. What do you think about in terms yeah. of the injury risk and the games played and how this factor? Right. Well, and, and with Curry, a thing this year is they can't really afford it. They, mm-hmm. they kind of need him to play. So that might actually help that case a little bit. I think my takeaway from what you subscribed, I, I agree with what you said about the injury impact. And I think it's pretty likely at some point this season, you know, when, when Luca is doing everything on every play and, and driving so much as he is, is he going to get kicked in the ankle sometime or like get kneed in the thigh and get a thigh bruise? It's like something. It's just this part of the game of what he's doing. I think a remarkable thing as I think about that is James Harden for so long was so durable and played yeah. all the minutes and all the games. Like it's an underrated thing that he did for as much as he did. And I think like Luca hasn't shown that. Now as a critique, that's just being human. He has a human body that can't take this beating for, you know, night after night for seven months or whatever. So my takeaway, I think, is this. I think we agree these are the two guys to bet, but that probably tells me that at some point this year, Luca's going to miss 10 days or two weeks or something like that. And that naturally, out of sight, out of mind, you're going to drop in odds a little bit at that point. So I, even though I think Luca is the right favorite here, I, I'm not, I, I don't like to play a, a plus two or 300 MVP favorite where we're so long to go and we know how this conversation never goes away when the injury thing is going to be there for both the guys enough. So that we're probably going to get a a 400 at some point or something out there will pop when you just miss a week or two. So that's what I think on the injury thing. The other question I have is this, we know Luca is not going to get MVP credit for his defense. I think it's been all right, but he's not going to get a boost for his defense Giannis is going to get a boost for his defense. So we're not doing defensive player of the year here. My favorite award bet that you can make right now is Giannis for defensive player of the year. I see it at plus 350 at some books. In the summer, we talked about rookie of the year and Paolo Boncaro, and I talked about I thought he was way ahead of the field and coming into the season, he could be a minus number by December. That's where I'm at with Giannis. The Bucs defense is so far ahead of the field, and Giannis is so clearly the best defender that I think that this is an award that quickly could get to that stage. You mentioned how good their defensive numbers are. They're number one in defensive rating on basketball reference. They're they're further ahead of number four than number four is ahead of number 28. So they're, they're literally an entire NBA ahead of the rest of the NBA defensively. They're basically what the Warriors were last year when we may recall Draymond was the defensive player of the year. It was over until he got hurt. Giannis is probably not going to get hurt. So I think Giannis defensive player of the year is a great decision to make right now. How much will that impact the MVP race? And does that close the gap in a way that Luca is never going to get credit for that? I think it matters. I think it does. I think the, the one thing that's going to be a consistent trend in the discussions about MVP when the, if it comes down, if it comes down to these two, is it's going to be like Luca puts up the stats, but Giannis wins you games. Yeah. Right. Because even if the Mavs have a good year, we're looking at like 52. Right. If they have a good season, it's like 52 wins. That'd be really great. You know, maybe 54. Maybe they're better. Maybe 55. If the Bucs have a great season, the Bucs are winning 60 games. Yeah. 
and that gap and that defense the defense raises that regular season floor which gives you the wins which matters in the mvp thing it all ties together here and you mentioned bpm epm all the pms defense is part of that so Giannis is going to get a boost in those numbers so that when somebody looks and is like oh wow Giannis is leading in all the advanced metrics that's because defense is part of that too on Monday's show, I talked about Brooke Lopez, and he's plus 2,100. Here's what I'll kind of say about this. Normally, I would if it's an MVP conversation, I would say, well, these guys are disqualified because they're going to crib votes from one another. They're going to scat. Yeah. They're going to cannibalize each other. We saw last year this is not true. Robert Williams and Marcus Smart did not <laughs> cannibalize each other. Not that we're still pissed off about Marcus Smart. No, not at all. Never. Player of the year. No. Um, should have been Bam. It really should have been, been Draymond. And then should have been, been Draymond. I think Giannis and Brooke have really like you can make a strong case for how good both of them are. I think both of them have been equally awesome. I think Giannis is going to, he's a sexier vote. He's just, he's always going to be a sexier vote because it's like you're rewarding this guy for being such a dominant player on both ends. I mean, so, and the rebounds and the blocks and everything else. Some of the other names I want to mention here. So OG Anobi's at plus 1400 on FanDuel. Mikhail Bridges at 2100. I had bet I had a small position on Mikhail Bridges last year because I was like, he's been good enough. Like, this is how good he's been. Look at the Suns. No traction. Got no traction in the conversation. Did not get like there was no serious discussion of Mikhail Bridges. If you're going to do this as a guard, it's gotta be a Marcus Smart type player. <laughs> and the only Marcus Smart type player that I know of is Marcus Smart. These wing defenders, I think like OG's been awesome defensively. And I think that. OG's case is similar to Bridges. He deserves to be in the discussion. I don't have a problem with him being fifth in the in the odds, but they are no bets for me until I see a wing defender, not a guard, but a wing defender get the award. I'm going to be really, really skeptical. If yep. you ask everybody who the best guard defender in the league is, they're actually going to say Drew Holiday. Yep. And Drew Holiday's never won it. And so, what's interesting too is if this would to, to circle back to MVP. If we were choosing MVP and like focusing just on defense through the lens of defense, we would not give Giannis defensive player of the year if we judge it the way we do MVP because we'd say, well, he gets so much help. Yeah. Lopez is a great defender and Drew is a great defender. Yep. And in MVP, we would penalize him for that. We're going to instead give Luca credit because he gets no help. It's all Luca. He does everything. But in defense, we don't do that. Defense is a team award, but we only focus on the one guy. So back to MVP. Luca's not getting help. We've done Luca. We've done Giannis. What other names for you actually? Like Jokic is not on those top six odds that you read. Jokic is always going to be in the mix. He's not scoring though this year. He's under 21 points a game, six yep. fewer shots. I think just the foot is not down on the gas pedal. You were on that all the way. I liked him coming into the year. I've, I have him fourth on my ballot right now. He's been fantastic. The efficiency is somehow better than last year, which was better than the year before. We don't give MVP for efficiency. I still think he's great. I still think the Nuggets are great, but I, I've mostly ruled him out until I see more shots and more oomph. I don't think it's happening. He's going to have as many nights where he has 35, 6, and 7 as he has nights where he has 15, 18, and 12. This is yeah. the problem. Is His numbers are going to be all over the place night to night because Jokic is more than happy to take what the defense gives you and kill you with it. They, the Thunder were like, we're going to sell out and double double you all night long aggressively. He wrecks up 15 assists. The yep. Thunder in the next game that they play, we're like, we're going to play him one-on-one. He has 30. The, there's no stopping him, but there is the difference is that 
he gets to choose how he kills you. Like, no. whatever you want to do, he will compensate and he will adjust. With MPJ back, it's going to hurt his rebounding numbers a little bit. The Nuggets, he, Nuggets are awesome. I do not think Jokic is a serious candidate for MVP because he just will not have the numbers. Um, I want to hit one player that I really think has value. I do want to circle back real quickly on the usage thing. Giannis and Luke are both top 10 all time right now in usage rate. Okay. Seven of the top 10 players in usage who scored 25 points per game finished top five for MVP and three of them won outright. If you want a position, you need to take guys that are in the top five of usage. And if they're top 10 all time, you're definitely going to be in the situation as long as they're scoring the ball. And both Luca and Giannis definitely fit that description. Uh, I will tell you, I'm after we got this podcast, I'm putting it in play. I'm going to go ahead and bet two units on Steph Curry. I put in a smaller play for him earlier. This number being 15 to one is absurd, Brandon. This is a yeah. dumb number. This is a like this number is objectively, I'm sorry, wrong. Uh, here's here's Steph's line, just so we're aware: 33 points per game, <laughs> five. He's shooting 51 percent from the field, including. Uh, 43% from three point range and 63% on twos while also getting seven boards per game and seven assists per game. If we go to BPM and we look at those numbers, uh, Steph Curry ranks third behind Luca and Giannis, and he is much closer to Giannis than Giannis is to Luca. This whole thing is built off of the Warriors look real bad. I don't know. They're just not a good team. Let me just, I'm just going to tell you my honest opinion. This is my opinion after 12 years watching the league and the entirety of the Kerr era Warriors. If the Warriors wanted to be 10 and one right now, they'd be 10 and one right now. That's not to say that what the Bucs are doing is like facetious. It's not like the Bucs are honestly more impressive because they're resting and they're 10 and one, but the Warriors are figuring out their bench. They're throwing the kids into the pool and being like, you got to learn to swim, kids. Like, we made the decision to get rid of Otto Porter and Gary Payton and Nemanja Bialica. We no longer have the veterans. You're going to have to do it. And they're sinking the numbers. When Curry, Steph, and Draymond, uh, Curry, Clay, and Draymond are on the floor, they're good. Period and dot. Then the conversation. They were plus 12 a couple days ago in net rating. They're fine. They're just going to fit. They will figure out the bench. And guess what? If it gets to be January and they're having trouble, they'll either pull off a trade or they'll pick up guys off the buyout market. The Warriors are going to be fine. And if Steph's putting up these numbers and the Warriors entire and this number is built off of the Warriors subpar record, there's no question to me that 15 to 1 is a ridiculous number for the two-time MVP, reigning finals MVP who's averaging 33 points a game. Are you kidding me with this number? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you got there first, but I was going to do the whole exact same rant that you just did. If like, look, we, we both agree. Luca and Giannis are the favorites here. I don't want to chase the number right now. I think the number, even though there, there's quote unquote value on the number, because we agree the percentage is there. It's not enough value for me, a futures player to bet it this far out. The guys I'm looking to bet on these sort of awards right now are the 15s and 20s and 25 to ones who can make a push. And if I was going to make an MVP player right now, the only one I would make is Steph at that number because it's a ridiculous number. 33, seven and seven at 50, 40, 90 plus shooting. Like nobody does that ever. And the other thing too, is even if the Warriors are not a top three team this year, 
And I'm less bullish on the Warriors than you are. I'm a little worried about the defense more than you're than you you'll give credit for here. But it's Steph. He gets his own rules. We've said yeah. that about LeBron for all the years. LeBron gets his own rules. If LeBron put up a season like this, no one would care if they were owing a thousand. He would still be in the MVP race. Steph will get the same. And to, to to be clear. They should get their own rules. When you are Steph or LeBron, you get to make up your own rules. When you put up a number like this, and if it keeps going, he's going to be in the mix. And guaranteed, because this is what the media does, at some point when Steph is putting up 33-7-7 and then he drops like a 60-piece on some team or puts up 14 threes, because he will, because that's what he does, we're going to do the thing where for a week, all the ESPN shows are like, Hey, shouldn't Steph be in the MVP conversation? Shouldn't, isn't Steph Curry having a great all-time season? And those odds are going to skyrocket up to like suddenly a plus 400 that week. So this is a spot to buy. If you, if you have a book that can cash out this, even if nothing else, this is a cash out play because that number is going to get shorter later. Like we say with LeBron. So yeah, I, I think absolutely to me, if you're looking at MVP race and we do the thing where like, well, Who's in the conversation? Is John Morant in the MVP conversation? Is Jason Tatum? Here's what I think. There are four dudes right now that you could say might be the best player in the league. Maybe five if you want to do Kevin Durant. But Luka, Giannis, Steph Jokic, that's it. Whatever order you want to do, it's those four, that's it. That's the MVP conversation. We can do Tatum and Dame and Morant and Durant and Spida. Those guys can all have a nice conversation for number five on the ballot. That's super great. They're not beating those four dudes for MVP this year. They're in a different field than everyone else. So we'll talk about them all year, but Steph belongs in that top group. I've, I agree with you on that Steph belongs in the top group. I don't think Jokic can be in there for the MVP. I think he can be in there for the best player no, I agree. in the league. Um, but, I be, but I think he belongs in that top group of guys, though. I can't get there for, oh, yeah, he's in there for the top group of guys, but not, not but for not, MVP, just yeah, for player. Yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah. Tatum's the one I keep coming back to. I don't know what to do with this. I'm not, look, it's, it's, there's a risk here when we talk about these things of being biased towards what's sexy, right? And like Luca and Giannis are very players that I enjoy watching and that I'm very dialed into. Luca, I have a, a, there's a confirmation bias because I was on this whole, he's going to have a ridiculous usage as soon as they got done with free agency. And I was like, they have no other guards. Um, They've just Spencer (laughs) Dinwiddie. Tatum, the numbers are really good. Like the numbers are really good of the top six candidates. He is fifth in BPM, but like with, with Tatum, it's 31 per game, six rebounds, four assists, 38% from three, 49%, uh, 0.8% from the field, almost 50%. So he's, he's within range of 50, 40, um, 88 would be his, his free throw percentage. He's shooting 60% on twos. That's really good. The Celtics are awesome. Like they're one of the best teams in the league. Boston's eight and three. They're fourth. Dallas is third. Boston's fourth in in adjusted net rating. Why am I not? Why am I not more compelled to bet Jason Tatum here? So here's why. Right now, Jason Tatum is seventh and four, which is really good, but not number one, and not close to number one. He is eighth in BPM, which is really good, but not number one. That list of guys we talked about. Jokic, Steph, Luka, uh, Giannis. I think everybody just knows Jason Tatum is not in that group of guys. He's just not. You can be a truly great, awesome, all-star, all-NBA player 
and still not be one of those guys. To, to me, Booker. Jason Tatum is Paul George. He is the really good top 10, awesome, best player on a title team. His MVP case is, here's how we go. If the Celtics smash everyone and they are like eight games better, eight wins better than everyone else, they win 65 games and everyone else is like 56 and lower. They're just that good of a team. Now Jason Tatum can win MVP because of the team argument. He's never going to be individually as good as the other guys. And he's never gonna have the numbers either. 31 is great, but he's never going to be like Jason Tatum's not ripping off a 45 points a game, two week stretch. It's just not his game. It's not what he's going to do where Steph or Giannis or Luca could do that. So it's just, it's, you can be really, really good. We're not dumping on Jason Tatum. You just have to be the best to win MVP, and I don't think he can be the best. It's one of the things I like about this about doing the betting stuff is we get to talk about what's going to happen and and where the value is on winning a bet versus the value of how good these guys are. Because it's like, look, I'm fine whatever place you want to put Jason Tatum in the hierarchy, but you've got to make a case for me why Jason Tatum's odds should be better than what Devin Booker's were at this time last year or this yeah. time this year. What separates him from Devin Booker, who did not have well, a serious run at the MVP? Well, we'll say defense. We'll add in defense. Yep. But Booker's improved, but we'll give Tatum more defense credit. But you're right. I think that's a very really good way to compare them. And Booker was, again, quote unquote, in the conversation. He was on a lot of ballots. I think he, what did he finish? Fourth or fifth last year? But he wasn't a serious MVP contender. Despite that, he, he was zero threat to actually winning the award to the guys at the actual top of the list. Uh, Mitchell is at Donovan's at 32 points per game, six assists. The Cavs have obviously been freaking dominant. They've been amazing. Um, he's shooting 51% from the field, 45% from three and 57% from two. Uh, Steph Curry is shooting way better than Donovan Mitchell from two. There's a number, but Donovan Mitchell shooting better than Steph Curry from three. There's also a number. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think a lot of this just gets down to, I will look at Donovan Mitchell if the Cavs do this for another month. Right. Like we can right. talk about that. Then the BPM arguments are kind of similar here where he's fourth on the list, but not like really in this kind of, in this kind of range. So I don't, yeah, you're, you're I, buying high on Mitchell. You're, you're yeah. buying at the absolute peak on Mitchell and the Cavs right now, which is just not what we're going to do here on futures. Yeah. Uh, I'll just tell you right now, if any of you are betting John Morant, you're wrong. That, that one, I'll tell you, John Morant's not going to win MVP. That's a, that's a wrong, that is a wrong bet. You are wasting your money. Um, I love John Morant. My lo my my avatar on Twitter is the Grizzlies logo. Okay. I loved everything about John Morant. He is incredible. Jaw's an injury risk because he takes extremely dangerous attacks at the rim. Jaw's numbers are slightly worse and starting to decline. The Grizzlies are not as good as their record. That's not something that I want. And there's a little bit you can argue there's confirmation bias because I have a big position on their under. That's fine. I am telling you, there's nothing that I've seen that disproves that. The the numbers back this up. If we if we get under the hood of who Memphis has been, Memphis is eight and four with the thirteenth best adjusted net rating. Like, there's just a billion signs here to suggest that Jaw's going to regress and the Grizzlies are going to regress, and you're going to be looking at this ticket in two months and being like, "Well, that's not worth it anymore." Love John Morant, phenomenal player, super fun to watch. Do not bet John Morant for win MVP. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I don't have anything to add to that. Yeah. One more question, MVP. There, right now, I'm going to read you eight guys that we've been talking about. These are the eight guys who are 20 to one or shorter. Then I've got six names for you that are between 20 to one and 100 to one. Yeah. I want to know which one of the six you think can jump into the group of eight. So here are the eight we're not doing. Giannis, Luca, Tatum, Morant, Curry, 
Donovan Mitchell, Embiid, and Kevin Durant. Those are the eight guys at 20 or one to shorter at FanDuel. Here are the guys from there to 100 to one, not including 100 to one. Nicole Jokic, 36. Devin Booker, 42 to one. Zion, 42 to one. Pascal Siakam, 42 to one. Trey Young, 49 to one. And Dame at 55 to one. Who out of those six do you think can get into the conversation in the top eight guys? I'll cop out and say Jokic is the shortest number. Um, I can't get there. Zion doesn't isn't getting the ball enough. Booker, I think there's a little bit of fatigue with the Suns, and they're just going to be under the radar. I love the idea of pushing Siakam because I genuinely think he's been good enough to warrant the discussion. Like Pascal Siakam has been one of the best players in the NBA this season to me when I've watched of all the like mm-hmm. eye test. But Siakam's hurt already. Um, the Raptors are going to, it's going to be hard for them to separate. I think the numbers are going to be tough. Uh, honestly, a little bit of it is I don't trust his teammates or have got a little bit of competition right now. Well, one of his teammates has a little bit of competition right now in terms of wanting shots and wanting to be the star of the team. And like Siakam's their best player by a wide margin. Um, and I'm not talking about Fred Van Vliet, So, cause Fred does the right thing at all times. Um, I think Siakam should be in, in quote, in the conversation, but I don't think he's bettable. That's my pick. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I think Siakam's been great. Obviously the injury throws off a little bit. Uh, I think my pick would probably be Damian Lillard. He actually, I, I did my ballot on the one month award article at Action Network and Dame was one of like five guys I was looking at for the fifth spot on the ballot for the in the conversation spot. Ended up doing Mitchell there, but Dame's been great. If the Blazers keep winning, I don't think they're going to keep winning at this pace, but what are they, uh, seven and three or eight, eight and three, something like that. If they're that good all year, Dame is going to get shorter in odds, right? He's going to move up the list. Old Dame has been back again. Like the old young Dame, uh, whatever. Good Dame has been back. And if that keeps up, I think his odds shorten. He's not going to win. He he is a cash out option here. I think you would say the same about Siakam. You can get in the conversation. You can cash out. But he, he's he can get onto the back of a ballot. Neither of these guys are going to win the award because cash outs get real tricky at the end of the year in terms of what the books will allow for MVP. I wouldn't even put them in that category. I think it's like, you better, you better just be like, no, I believe in this Raptors team. They're going to win 55 games. You got to be in, and you got to okay. be like, I think the Blazers yeah. can make a serious run for 55 games. And, and I think you need more than that too, because we're talking about a long shot. I think you need to be the one seed. If you're Siakam mm-hmm. or Dame, you gotta, you gotta really steal the award away. So you got to really believe in that team. And they could, if you want to believe, we'll, we'll give you a green light for it, but uh, yeah. we're not getting there. Offensive player of the year, like an NFL, because wouldn't yeah. Dame be a great pick for offensive player of the year? Well, he I, would only if we're just like ruling out the actual MVP ballot guys. Like otherwise Luca is just like a minus 10 trillion at that award right now. True. All right, let's, let's move on and talk about six man of the year quickly. So you have made the point in in the column that you wrote this week, which you can find in the Action Network app, and you've talked about it on Twitter as well, that six man seems to be where the best value can be found in terms of it's a real unknown field. Last year, this award lost all luster. It was Tyler Hero had momentum going <laughs> in. Tyler Hero scored the shit out of the ball the first two weeks, and that was it. Like, we jumped on on Tyler Hero early last year, like first two weeks of the season. I was like, Tyler yep. Hero's winning this award if he doesn't get hurt. The end. And those all cashed. Um, it's more open this year. A lot of the candidates that we kind of liked have underperformed. There's a lot of places to kind of start here. Let me make the case for for the the preseason favorite, who I think you're getting a little bit of value on here. And then we can talk about some of the longer shots uh, as far as what you like. So Jordan Poole is plus 350. 
Poole's numbers are so bad, you basically have to believe that Jordan Poole was a flash in the pan last year and no longer going to be good. And I think Jordan Poole is going to shoot better than his percentages, which are like 39, <laughs> 29. Like Jordan Poole is going to shoot better. And if Jordan Poole shoots better, this number goes, shortens way, 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 way down. So I still, I'm not going to bet it because I want to see exactly, I want to see the turn. I'm a, I am done betting on regression. I'm not going to be like, I'm going to bet because I know Jordan Poole is going to shoot better. What if he doesn't? But the minute the Jordan Poole starts to turn this around, that's the number will shorten on me. But I'm going to go at that's as long as I see signs of life, I will go ahead and bet Jordan Poole at that point. That's my take on Poole. What do you think? Yeah, I think that that's the right take. Like put, put it different way. If you gave us the whole, no pun intended, pool of candidates here and said, okay, we're all at even odds. Just pick the winner. Pick whoever it is. Forget the odds and all that part of it. Who's going to win projected right now? I think Jordan Poole is the choice. I think he's the most likely winner of the award because, again, six man, you just need a gunner. You need last 10 years, 18.3 points a game. Uh, last five years, all five winners have been 18.4 or higher. So Jordan Poole is not quite there yet because the shots aren't falling. But I think he's the most likely candidate to pretty easily get there. He's already an obvious candidate. He's in a huge, sexy market. Everyone's going to be watching and talking about him all year. I think you're right. We talked about this offline that that maybe this is actually a dip that's buying a little bit of value on Jordan Poole. Again, my style of betting these futures for the most part is I don't really need like a, a 200 sort of guy at this point of the year. But you're right. I've got my eye on him because it could it could turn his way in a hurry. So you get a couple of those good games going and two – we talked about, you mentioned like the Warriors are playing through their young guys and trying trying to figure out what's there. Isn't it entirely likely that that's just hurting Jordan Poole right now? Like maybe if Jordan Poole doesn't play all those minutes with Kuminga and Wiseman and all the other guys, maybe he won't be minus 30 net rating per 100 possessions and maybe he'll get a few better shots and have some more spacing and all of that, like the rising tide will, will make Poole better too. I guess I did another accidental pun on pool so I, yeah. I agree i think pool is the right the most likely winner you know look we, we talked about this when we did the most when we did the how to bet six man and it's just buckets right just points what's weird is here's the list matherin's at 20 per game and shooting 46 percent from three uh 43 and 43 from three excuse me um including over half of his shots i believe are from three-point range um, he's been absurd. He's just, he was, he's so good. He's so good in that Denver game. Uh, Westbrook, who we'll talk about is at 18.6 and is the favorite. Then it's Max Struess. That's third in bench scoring is Max Struess. Oh, wow. Miami Heat. That's he's not going to win. He should and also, and also might end up starting. He's started, yeah. I think four games too. So he's, he's, uh, come off the bench in, in 10 per NBA.com. Um, 15.6 for him. We're already down at 15. Like our bar for this is 18. Yeah. And we're already on third amongst players that play at least four games. We're already down to 15. The league has seen so much scoring, Brandon, and none of it's coming off of the bench. It's so weird. Like yeah. Bones Highland, who was one of my bets, 14 points per game. Uh, Christian Wood, who had that great start. He's been hurt, but he's at 16. Uh, Colin Sexton, who Albert gave out on Monday, is only at 13 per game. It's picked up in the last couple of games as he gets back from injury. Portis is a popular pick. He's at 13 in the games that he's come off the bench. Poole's at 13. Norman Powell, who I bet at 65 to one, 
still at 13 despite the despite his percentages stabilizing. No. I don't know what to do. If no one's going to be this this like gunner off the bench, Brandon, what do we do with six man of the year? Yeah, so let me, you ruled out an MVP candidate. I'm going to rule out a couple of these guys for you. Don't bet Bobby Portis. Right. Bobby averaging 13 a game is not going to win six man of the year. He's just not. It's not, it's not going to be sexy enough to do it. Usually almost always a guard. Nine of the last 10 winners are guards here. You need a guard gunner who gets a ton of shots up. That's not Bobby Portis. Don't do it. I don't think you should bet Ben Matherin either. I know he's third in odds right now. I know the numbers have been great. There is no reason, none, for Ben Matherin not to be starting by the end of the season. And sooner than later, once the Pacers are pretty clearly out of it, if he is producing this well and he's the future of the franchise, start the man and they're going... Like, the only reason that he would come off the bench is if they are just gunning for this award for him, which... I don't know that I haven't heard of a franchise gunning for six man necessarily. Well, maybe I have, maybe that's what the Lakers are doing right now. I'm, I'm not sure on that one. If the um, player but, wants it, they'll gun for it. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think Portis and Matherin are good bets, but yeah, I, I do think this is the right market to keep an eye on. I just don't know who the guy is. You mentioned bones. He's on the list. Norm was my bet. He is up to 13.9 points a game the last eight. So I think the move to the bench has helped stabilize him a little bit. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I think is going to be in the mix, but he'll start some games at some point. I'm sure that'll help. He'll miss some games at some point because he always does. Can I interest you at all in 240 to one, <laughs> Mr. Tyler hero, who has not yet come off the bench. Is there any chance we talked about Max Struess? The heat are struggling. They're four and seven. They're kind of tinkering with the lineups. We know Tyler is going to have the numbers. Is there any chance like, it, look, if if the Heat announced today Tyler Hero is coming off the bench, he would be the favorite by tomorrow in this award. Yeah. Is there a 240 to 1 chance that Tyler Hero gets put back into a bench role to try to solve what's happening in Miami? I'd rather, I'd rather just wait and lose the CLV. Um, I know that for you, that's like the angle and that's how. <laughs> no, I mean, look, it's, it's, you're not wrong. I, I think I just, this, I'm obsessed with this question right now of when do you really invest in a conceptual anticipation versus accepting that the number, once the move is made, will remove all of that glorious, glorious value that you had. And um, like you've, you've talked about this, like you're willing to take some shots because if you hit one, it, sure. it outweighs everything, but also you love being able to be like, I was first. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, look, let, let's do NFL for a second. I bet on Trevor Lawrence, 40 to one to win MVP when the Jaguars were two and one. Holy up in flames has that ticket gone immediately the very next game. I also bet on Tua Tagovailoa at 80 to one a week ago. He's eight to one now. Guess what? Nobody cares about the Trevor Lawrence ticket. I got an eight to one Tua Tagovailoa ticket now. And that's the thing with these long numbers. It's not just it. If you if you're pricing the lottery tickets correctly and getting the value there, then it does come home. So I, I think there's value, quote unquote, on 241 Tyler Hero just because the scoring will be there. We give out repeat winners in this. Most likely, very very likely, your ticket is inflamed before you click submit because he probably will never come off the bench. If he does in a soft market, it could be there. In my column. I chose in the one month all-stars, I chose a six man of the year. You're going to love this because it's a throwback. 
throwback to two years ago when Mr. Jordan Clarkson was our sixth man of the year. And I thought Jordan was the seventh man of the year because I wanted the sixth man of the year to be Joe Ingles, Mr. Efficiency. My sixth man of the year vote right now is Mr. Kevin Love. And I think Kevin Love has been by far the best and most important bench player per 36. He's putting up 22, 14, four and a half, 65% true shooting. He's defending well. I had him on my one month all-star team, despite coming off the bench. The Cavs are killing people. Kevin Love is awesome. He's a champion. He's not going to win six man of the year because per 36 numbers don't matter. And he only plays 20 minutes a game, but he's 80 to one right now. I did the Joe Ingles thing all year long. We, we still make fun of me for it. Is Kevin Love just Joe Ingles part two? I think there might be some value here. So here, here's the premise as we sit here today. I'm going to make these two bets when we get off the podcast. I'm only putting half a unit on them. I'm going to make two bets on six man of the year when we get off this pod. And it's going to be half a unit on Kevin Love at 80 to one and half a unit on Malcolm Brogdon at 16 to one. And they're built off of the same concept. If we don't get the buckets guy this year, and I don't know if you know this, but this game has always been and always will be about buckets. But if we don't get the buckets guy this year, this is the year where the voters get to reward the guy that actually makes a mm. difference. This is the year that they don't have to be like, well, I got to vote for him. He's averaging 20 off the bench. If there's not that guy, if Matherin winds up starting, and we'll talk about your 10 to 1 ticket in a second, if that guy doesn't win, that opens the door. I think Brogdon and Kevin Love are two guys well regarded by voters who play their role, who accept the role, who do the things that help you win, will get enough numbers and are efficient enough to actually generate votes. It would be very fitting for the Boston Celtics to finally be the team that the voters are like, oh yeah, no, he's just been really good for them. It doesn't matter that he's only scoring 15 per game. That's not what this is about. Wait, wait, you think the Boston Celtics could win a faux award despite the player not being the guy that deserved the award? You think the Celtics, Marcus Smart, you think could do something like that? The Boston Celtics? So, <laughs> peel past that. So, <laughs> to me, that's I'm going to go ahead and bet that right now. Now, it's based off of a premise that may not come true. If Tyler starts, if, if Brandon's right and Tyler starts, then that's gone. If any of these guys get it together and start scoring, if Norman Powell goes up to 19 per game, but guess what? I'm going to bet more than what covers my half unit play on these guys, on those guys as the season goes along. Again, this gets back into, if you are a one-time better, if you are a one-time better, I don't have a play for you right now on no. six man of the year outside of Jordan Poole, maybe. If you are a, I want to build a portfolio and have great, great ROI at the end, then I think there's some numbers for you. I don't think this Westbrook thing's holding, man. Um, I don't think he's going to continue to play this well. I think this team is eventually going to pull a trade. Chris Haynes already put out the article about how pissed off LeBron is and mentioned Bradley Beal. The only way that deal gets done is if they move Westbrook because the Anthony Davis conversation continues. And I think their fastest path back to where they want to get to is an Anthony Davis trade. But he's a clutch client and clutch runs that team. If LeBron can get a world where he has Davis and another all-star that will actually play play basketball games that's his preferred outcome and that's what he'll push for. I don't, and if Westbrook gets traded, if Westbrook gets traded, there's only two things that happen. He starts or he's go, he gets sent home to a way to buy out. Those are the only two scenarios. So while I applaud your ability to get the attention of betting Russ at 10 to one and him now, a hundred to one, Jesus, a hundred to one. And now getting, <laughs> do you have cash out on it now? I uh, I have not checked recently. I, some books I've heard because I had a few people on Twitter hitting me up of like, do I cash this out? 
And yeah, but spoiler alert, yes, cash out your Russell Westbrook because like basically the, the guys who have hit me with cash out value, you're getting it to where if you took the cash out and then bet that money back again on the odds of right now, you basically are getting to where Westbrook, you're getting him at like a plus 400 or something, yeah. three to 400, which is value. It's more valuable than the number available right now. But if you put in some amount like someone had where the amount that they could cash out was going to get them like a thousand dollars by cashing out at the hundred to one, would you bet a thousand dollars right now at plus 400 and Russell Westbrook? No, please. God, no. So many things can go wrong. He could get traded. He gave exiled. He could start again with LeBron injured. Maybe he starts right now. Will the Lakers win games? Will he get penalized for that? Like, there's so many things that can go wrong with a ticket. I'm happy to have a hundred to one at a guy that's the favorite right now, but I don't expect that to hold up all the way through. It could, but yes, take the cash out, take the money and run. We did that on Halloween. Today is November 11th. As you listen to this, if you can put something down and then cash out at like 30 times or 50 times the value 10 days later, you're welcome. Thank you. Take the money and run. I I agree. Westbrook, if it ended right now, Westbrook is a pretty easy gunner. All the things you said, the numbers, the gunners, all of that, just Westbrook. If it if it goes this way, he's an easy choice. There's a lot of games to go for this to go this way. Very quickly, let's do a coach of the year check-in um, in the market. The three pl- plays that I think that there's value on, I'm not going to bet this right now. I, I want to wait till Christmas. I want to see where we're at on Christmas. Um, Missoula plus 900 is really interesting. I can't think of a better narrative bet, right? Like Celtics, top three team in the East, were the best record for a while, right up there. Like, look, they've looked am- amazing, taken over for Udoka, all of the drama. Plus 900 for Missoula, I think, is light. Like, that to me is just it, that should be way shorter. Um, Bickerstaff still plus 700. That feels heavy because I don't think there's any, like, you and I are Cavs buyers. We think that they're this good. We don't think that they're going to drop to fifth or sixth. If they finish top four, a lot of times coach of the year is an award that gets rewarded. Defensive player of the year and coach of the year are two awards that I think get rewarded the year after they should Hmm. be. I think there's a delayed effect. I think JB should have won it last year. The Cavs team had a win total of 23 last year (laughs) and they almost made the playoffs. Yeah, They went over in like January. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, So I think bigger staff at plus 700 is good value. I'll also throw in Michael Malone. Uh, this is one of my preseason plays. I still think there's value on it. I'll just tell you that they play the Celtics on Monday, and I expect them to lose. But what they have shown me in the last week is that the Denver Nuggets can absolutely fuck around and still beat all of these teams by margin. Like, the Pacers, everything went wrong. Joker got in foul trouble. The bench gave up like a 19-2 to run in the first half. They were on the road with Joker in foul trouble and sunk, and they won that game. Like it wasn't a fluke either. It was just like they put the pedal down and got past Indiana. So uh, Denver, I feel great about their win total. I feel great about their position. I think there's a very good chance that they, if they wind up with a huge record, I could see them being uh, Michael Malone being the guy that gets rewarded, even with as much talent as they have. I think there's value on that. So Missoula 900, Bickerstaff plus 700, Malone 2000. Those are the three numbers I like the best on the board. So I love one of those. Before we get to them, the guy who's the favorite right now is Will Hardy. If the season ended today, Will Hardy would be the coach of the year. Like, I don't know if it'd be unanimous, but it would be close to it. And it should be. The Jazz are the one seed. They were supposed to be the 15 seed or close to it. 
he would have went. However, guess what? The season's not over. So we have to project forward as betters. And here's the thing. With Coach of the Year, you need to improve by a lot. Check. You need to go over your win total by a lot. Check. Those are not going to be a problem for Will Hardy. The third one is the problem. Other than Tibbs, our last 12 winners have averaged a 55-win pace. No, other other than Tibbs, they have averaged a 60-win pace. They've all had at least a 55-win pace other than Tibbs. So as great as the Jazz have been, are they going to win 55 or 60 games? I still don't think anyone really thinks that's in play. We just don't. So don't bet on Will Hardy right now. Again, you're buying at the absolute peak of it. If I need a 55 or likely 60-game winner, I love one of the three that you said. I love J.B. Bickerstaff. Cavs are top two in net rating and in SRS. They were number one, I think, until the loss yesterday. They're an elite defense. I love that with their regular season teams. The offense has been really good already, and Garland hasn't even done much yet. And with Coach of the Year, we often give this one to the really, really good team that we couldn't find a different award for. I don't think the Cavs are going to have an MVP candidate. Donovan Mitchell is not quite in that group like we talked about. I don't think Evan Mobley is going to win defensive player of the year. I think that's Giannis, and we don't give it to a guy that young. There's there's no other award. This is a – if the Cavs are really, really good like they are right now, how do we reward them? It's JB. That's the guy. So plus 700, I agree. I think that there's value there. He should be, I think, a clear favorite, uh, a betting favorite right now. I'd put him maybe like 400 or something. And as the Cavs stay this good and this much ahead of the field, I think that he starts to really stand out from the crowd. This is a quote from a Sam Amick article uh, talking about Danny Ainge's situation in particular today at The Athletic. Quote from a front office executive, Utah has generally been open for business. I do think they're the one that could accelerate taking it apart faster, but you got to have buyers in the market and outside the Lakers. Who is that? That's the other part of this equation is whether or not they have the guys, if they have people that are going to want the pieces that they have. Um, there's a little bit of consternation. There is still kind of a feeling though, that they can, that they can tank their front office executives believe that they are just within a few moves mm. of still being that bad. Um, a lot of it has been, yeah, they got this great start, but the second things go South, that's when they'll be like, okay, well that was fun, but we're out of here. So um, definitely don't think Will Hardy is a bet right now. We're just too early in coach of the year. I think, yeah. I think it's, can, it's can I interest you in a, just, just to let your, your steam go off for 30 seconds. Can interest you in a 20 to one ticket on Mr. Jacques Vaughn? Yeah, you can. Oh, I like the way I'm they play that. Um, I'm, you're not, you're not, you're not going to do that. If you told me that, Ky- if you told me that you came from the future and all you would tell me is Kyrie Irving is not going to play for the Brooklyn Nets anymore, I would then turn around and bet Jacques Vaughn. All right. That's answer. Is if Kyrie plays, I don't think he'll, he'll win. And if Kyrie does not play, I think Jacques Vaughn uh, can win the award. I think Vaughn's a good coach. Vaughn has the backing. I'll say this. Vaughn has the backing of, of Kevin Durant, and that translates to the rest of the team. Watch the body language. Yeah. When they're winning and Katie is giving him, like, giving him the ball at his first win as head coach and giving him hugs, like, Katie's in his corner, okay? I'm not saying he's going to be Ty Lue. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the situation is comparable to mm-hmm. Ty Lue. Takes over for Blatt, who was well-regarded in international basketball, Right. Like Nash wasn't like that, but Nash is well-known as a player. No experience in the NBA. Neither of them had experience in the NBA. Vlad had a lot of experience overseas. Um, takes over as a, as the guy the players liked, and they respond. Yeah. There's a comp there for Jacques Vaughn. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the number was half as long when we thought it was Ime Odoka. 
And I think that that was, I think that's flipped. Like we were not giving that award for to Adoka for reasons for this year. Jacques Vaughn, he doesn't really fit the formula here for me because the Nets are not going to win 55 or 60 games. We, we agree on that. But similar to Missoula, you're in a spot where when you come into the situation kind of midstream, you get to break the rules a little bit. You get to kind of just be your own thing and you get the, the narrative build on there. So I think he could be in play if things go well. What a job by Jacques Vaughn. Can we give some credit for Jacques Vaughn on yeah, here on exactly. Jalen and Jacoby? I want to shout out Jacques Vaughn. <laughs> Can we talk about Jacques Vaughn for a minute here on NBA today? Like, yeah. Yes, is the answer to that. Uh, all right, we'll do long shot of the week and we'll get out of here. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! Uh, my long shot of the week, 65 to one. Bobo, most improved player. I almost bet. I, I am seriously considering actually betting this one. Um, I need to, this is, I deal with Nuggets fans a lot here in Denver. And there is the question of, why didn't this work with Malone? Why did Malone screw up? Look at what Bull Bull's doing. I need to stress to you how bad Bull Bull was. Not, not just from uh, putting, like, the problem with Bull Bull is that he has always wanted to be one thing. And in the NBA, he's needed to be another. He also got drafted into a situation where the team was getting good. And he needed to contribute to winning games for a team with an eye on the championship. Bull Bull is perfect in Orlando. It's perfect. He can make mistakes. He can waste possessions. He's a better offensive weapon than most of the things that they have. They literally don't have a fucking point guard right now. Like, I don't know why. They have two pretty good ones in Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony, and neither of them are ever healthy. So they get to do things like, hey, let's run let's run pick and roll with Bull Bull and Wendell Carter Jr., and so Bull's putting up numbers. I man, I oh god, the bet stream yesterday. So I, I had 20 and a half points and rebounds for Bull in that game. And he plays awesome. And he's got 18 middle third, and he doesn't come back into the game. Fucking killed me. That was a big position for me yesterday. Um, so that's annoying. Uh, but in general, he's getting a big opportunity, and there is literally nobody that has improved more in the NBA this season, then Bull Bull, who went from a guy that was injured, unable to play, and not in a, ro a rotation as a draft or as a trade cast-off into a starting player on the Orlando Magic. There's value here at Bull Bull, 65-1. Yeah, Bull Bull, Bull I, I, I saw him playing on opening night, well, his opening night, and I was like, oh, Bull Bull's in the NBA. I didn't know that was, that's fun. Oh, we got Bull Bull with all the other giants in Orlando. That'll be fun. We'll get to see him play garbage time minutes every now and then. How how delightful. No, it's more than a delight. He's good. He's a real NBA player. Like he's he's been by all the advanced metrics, he's been Orlando's best player so far. He's fun. He's a really good player. I like him. I'll keep my long shot very easy. We already talked about it. Kevin Love, 81 for sixth Love man it. of the year. Love it. The only thing I'll add is this. Kevin Love finished second last year in six man of the year voting. Oh, he got yeah. three player space votes and he was runner up in the award. So he's already on the radar as the guy that like, Hey, you know what? Remember when Kevin Love stood in the paint for 14 minutes and uh, got attention and was like, Hey, three seconds, call the three seconds. Like he's already got that thing for him where what, what a story, man. Look how good Cleveland is. Kevin Love wanted out of here. And now he's the, the veteran who has really stayed the course and he's living the dream. Like 
we got all the story, all the narrative. The numbers are great as much as he plays 80 to 1. I'll put a half unit on it and see what we get. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for Buckets. Make sure to download the Action Network app. Our thanks to FanDuel for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks to David for doing the production on the pod. We'll be back next week. Monday, recap of the weekend, most important cover, etc. And then best bets all throughout the week as we continue coverage of the NBA here at the Action Network. Until then, let's get buckets. <laughs>